Fans about films. Nerdy and informative. Greetings, dear listeners, and a very warm welcome to a new year of Fans About Films. I hope you had all a great start into the year 2019. I uh, released a couple of German episodes already in this new year, but this is my first English episode. Uh, I hope you had fun with my content in 2018. Thanks so much for sticking with me. And uh, for the start of this new year, I have a very, very special episode and a very special new guest who is going to introduce himself right now. Hi, I'm Joseph Solano. You may know me on Twitter as Dr. Ragnarok, and this is my first podcast guest spot ever, and it's really great to be here. That's awesome. Uh, I'm Lasse Vogt, by the way, for people who turned on this show for the very first time. Sometimes I just forget to introduce myself. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do online? I talk, I post, I make memes. I now recently have, I am now a new contributor to moviematrix.com. My first article was published a few hours ago. I'm really proud of that. And I'm going to start my podcast in probably a few months, probably write some more articles and a short story until then. It's going to be great. That's awesome. Uh, I already called dibs on one of those guest spots on your podcast. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. You, we, we definitely got to put you on one of those episodes. That would be awesome. Looking forward to that. So, um, yeah, we discovered each other just a couple of weeks ago and uh, tinkered with some ideas. And you had the great idea. Why don't we do, since we are both big fans, an episode of our kind of like runners up of movie scores of 2019 we are most looking forward to? Yes. I've been working on this list for a few days since we've made these plans, and I think I found the list I'm satisfied with. That's can't great. wait for you to share mine. I can't wait to hear yours. That's great. How many? How many? Uh, how many points are on your list? How many scores do you have? Ten. Oh, that's great. I have ten as well. <laughs> yes, I had to make sure I picked scores that actually have composers, so that hopefully none of these change from here to when the movies actually come out. I'm pretty sure most of these score, all of them will stay the same. Some of them come out in a few weeks. I, I see exactly what you mean, and I will uh, come back to that, because there was one score I wanted to put on this list, but when I saw that there wasn't a composer listed on IMDb for that project, so I was like, eh, let's leave that out for now. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to see what that one might be. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's the same, who knows. Yeah. Okay, so, um... Uh, as you have a guest, please start with one of your picks. Okay, so at number 10, I have Detective Pikachu, which will be scored by Henry Jackman. Oh, that's great. I don't have that one on the list. But yeah, uh, when I saw that he was attached to the project, I certainly got very curious. I'm a big fan of his work. I'm a huge fan of Jackman, mostly for his comic book stuff. My favorite score of his is X-Men First Class. That's how I was introduced to him. I love his scores for The Winter Soldier and Civil War and for the Kingsman films. I'm also a fan of his animated work like um, Wreck-It Ralph and Big Hero 6. So every time Jackman's attached to a project, I'm really, really excited to see what he's going to bring to it. Because all of his scores sound different, even though he has 
a distinct style. So I can't wait to see what he delivers for this one. That's true. I I, I can certainly agree. I'm um, I'm a big fan of his stuff also, and um, I'm always looking forward to his projects. That that score is just one I didn't put on my list because I'm not the biggest poker guy, I guess, and so I am just. Uh, I have very certain uh, scores I was more interested in because with Jackman I'm like I'm a big fan of his work but I also kind of know what it will sound like probably because he actually really managed to develop a distinct style over the years I was first introduced to him through his actually very first big score Monsters vs. Aliens and pretty much since then you know I kind of like saw his career grow and grow more and more it was pretty great to, to see that composer you know get bigger and uh, uh, being signed on to bigger projects and all of that. So I, I certainly enjoy whenever a new score of his comes out. I'm surprised that he wasn't asked back to score Infinity War with the Russo brothers. I wonder why he wasn't asked to return. Not that I don't, I did not love Alan Silvestri's score for Infinity War. We'll get to that later. <laughs> but I'm really, but like, he's working on a show with the Russos. I'm surprised he didn't come back for Infinity War. I'm, I'm pretty sure they just wanted to uh, return to that very big epic style and they hope to um you know bring the theme back in a big rousing fashion and so they ask Silvestri again because he has written uh, some of the best scores of his franchise so far and uh, for them it was pretty much you yeah. know let's just uh, take a break in this particular uh, project and and let's see what uh, Silvestri uh, will do so that's that, that's my mindset I'm pretty sure that was it I wouldn't because it's funny when you go back to Age of Ultron and how Silvestri didn't do that movie but yet a lot of his music from the first one is sort of like tracked into it and I wonder if they just said you know what we might as well just get Alan back and they did and it worked out really well yeah yeah really that's well. true that's true because in, I think in um, in the case of Ultron it was like Brian Tyler's music. I don't know what the what exactly the case was. I think it had something to do with um, Furious Seven getting delayed or something, or maybe even the studio wasn't entirely happy with what he did, and that's why they brought Danny Elfman on board. I don't know the exact circumstances, but I think the main job of Danny Elfman was actually to bring the Sylvester theme back. You know, create this new hybrid theme and um, and put it into the score because it's entirely absent from Tyler's material. If you listen to a guy on YouTube, his name, um, the mayor of scores, he found Tyler's complete score for Age of Ultron and found Danny Elfman's complete score for Age of Ultron. And they could not sound any more different if you tried. Like, Tyler references Sylvester's theme once, and it's like in track number two. And in Elfman's side, it's like in the entire thing. I really, but no one, like you said, no one knows the exact circumstances as to what happened to that score because, like, Tyler has a whole score, Elfman has a whole score, but then in the movie, it's like this really weird mismatch of three different composers, and it's weird. But hopefully, Detective Pikachu doesn't have to deal with that. So oh no, no, Jackman, Jackman dodges the bullet. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the score will turn out just fine. You know, like I said, I'm, I'm not. A Pokemon fan at all, but I'm curious about the movie, and I hope it makes the fans happy because they deserve it. <laughs> yeah, I think we we're long overdue for a good video game movie. What I'm curious about with Jackman's score is that you know Detective Pikachu is a detective movie, but it's also a fun fantasy film. So I wonder what's what Henry Jackman are we going to get in this movie? That's like the most curious thing. Are we getting bombastic, heroic Henry Jackman or a completely different one? 
I'm very curious to see where he's going to go with it. Oh yeah, there's certainly a lot of potential to turn out a very, very cool score with that, you know, with a lot of uh, different styles. I'm sure it will go in some kind of direction the same as um, Big Hero 6 was, um, because that that had certainly like the, the quirky electronic, um, you know, uh, gamey stuff in that, but there's also this big rousing heroic theme in, in it uh, he's also quite famous for. So I think it, yeah. it might be it might be go in that direction. As long, I, I'm also curious if he's gonna if he's gonna like reference the original Pokemon theme from the game. It's in the trailer, so I wonder if Jackman's just gonna hide it somewhere. Might be, maybe that's you know they they kind of like tell him you have to put that music in there, but they often don't do that, you know. I'm pretty sure they had the chance to, although in the movie, not in the actual album soundtrack, but in the movie of Warcraft, they use at like two points. The original themes from the video game. Oh, yeah. It, and in Super Mario Brothers the movie, I'm not sure if it's in the film, but on Sylvester's soundtrack album, it starts off with the Mario theme and then it turns into his own theme. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah, right. I remember that. Okay, so um, that's your number ten. Great. I don't have a particular order. I I didn't I didn't like take. Okay, this is number ten. This is number two or something, so I just uh, call them out however I feel like it. Um, one of my most anticipated scores is uh, Patrick Doyle's Artemis Fowl. Ooh, because I, I forgot that one. <laughs> because I'm, uh, I was a big fan of the books growing up, and I was looking forward to the movie version they planned on doing for number of years and now finally we're getting one and um i mean as soon as kenneth Branagh signed on as a director i was like okay now it's official patrick Doyle is going to be the composer and uh yeah i'm pretty sure that isn't gonna change and i'm just looking forward to it because i'm curious about what he will do with this universe i fell in love with as a kid and i mean he's a solid composer anyway and he pretty much never disappoints and so i'm i'm just very very intrigued by uh, what he might do with that. I've um, been following Doyle's work since I was 13, I believe, when Thor came out. And then I sort of went back to his older work on Goblet of Fire, Nanny McPhee, and um, Sense and Sensibility, and all his scores with Ken and Brennog. Him and, and Brennog work very well together. And Doyle's scores are weird because he has a style, but all I've never heard a score where it sounds exactly like the other one. Like, Thor sounds nothing like Goblet of Fire. Goblet of Fire sounds nothing like Rise of the Planet of the Apes. He always delivers something unique. And it's really weird when he does, like, these bigger films. Because I'm not sure if he's done anything in this grand in scope, I think, since Thor. Unless you count the Emoji movie. <laughs> I, I don't know why he did that one, but the score was decent enough. Well, I know, I know, I know why he, I know why he did that one because he worked with a director on uh, Igor um, back in the day. It's the same director oh, as Igor. Oh, I think yeah. So I'm pretty that sure that's the reason. But I've never read the Artemis Fowl books, unfortunately. I would like to, but anything with Patrick Doyle's name attached to it, I will listen to. And his last Disney score, which was Cinderella, was, in my opinion, one of his best. So I wonder if he's going to top that one. Oh yeah, yeah, that's nice. Completely, that's cool. So, um, what's your what's your next pick? My number nine is enough is a Disney film. It is The Lion King, which will be scored once again by Hans Zimmer, who yeah, did I've... the original film in nineteen ninety four. Yeah, I wait. I figured you would pick that. <laughs> 
I was hoping Hans would be doing a movie this year because when I was doing my list for last year, I didn't know he was scoring Widows. So I'm like, oh, I don't have a Hans Zimmer score this year. That's unfortunate. So, but then I found this one. I'm like, wait, who's doing it? And I'm like, okay, it's Zimmer. Okay, let's put this on the list. I need one Zimmer score here. <laughs> yeah, that's understandable. I um, spoiler alert, dear people, that's not on mine. Because I'm actually kind of thinking about, and this is going into a whole other direction, and so I don't want to uh, dwell on that, but I'm actually kind of uh, thinking about boycotting that movie, because to me it just feels like the most useless thing ever. (laughs) (laughs) And for for many, many reasons. I mean, there are debates on the internet, you know, all around, and it's just... And, and to me, it's like, what what pretty much, what else can he do? Like, what, I mean, the the, the first score was, was his only Oscar win. And even, yeah. then, even then, I was like, you know, there are tons of other scores he did that are actually far better than The Lion King. But in context of the movie, it's a very, very powerful score. It's very powerful music, but most people remember the songs. And uh, with this, I mean, there's a chance that he could build on the pre-existing material and flesh it out a little bit more. Like, uh, kind of like how Alan Menken did it with Beauty and the Beast. You know, you could, uh, even though I didn't like that movie, you could tell the orchestration was a lot richer and all of that. You know, he spent a lot more time on the in-between music because it was also a much longer movie. So, um I guess there's potential to crank out a pretty cool score, but it's like, you know, we already heard the score and it won him an Oscar. He he can't on that in that circumstances he can't do it that much better. <laughs> That's the thing. The reason I put it on the list is not for Zimmer's sake, but um what I think of when Zimmer usually does another installment of something, what I usually appreciate that he just doesn't copy paste what he did and just say, Okay, we're just gonna do it again. I think one of the best elements of the Dark Knight scores is that Batman Begins, Dark Knight, and The Dark Knight Rises all sound a little different from each other, even though they carry themes. And I'm really hoping that Zimmer goes in a direction, like you said, that Alan Menken did with Beauty and the Beast. And I assume that Alan Menken's going to do the same thing with Aladdin, because he's scoring that remake too. Mm-hmm. I hope Zimmer um, comes up with more character themes this time around, because his score in the original isn't necessarily driven by themes, but emotion. Yeah. Like, I don't think there's a Scar motif or a Simba theme. I think there might be one for for um, Ufasa, but I think maybe he can do it this time. The only thing that worries me is that he's just going to phone it in and then just let other people write the score, like do additional cues, and then he'll just be the name on it. But hopefully, if he took on the project, that means he ha- he had probably has something to offer as opposed to just, you know, oh, I did it before, might as well just do it again. I was shocked that John Debney wasn't doing it because, you know, him and John Favreau have been working together for years. So when Zimmer was coming back, that was shocking to me. So I really hope that Zimmer brings his A-game. If he doesn't, I'm going to be very, very sad. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it, it could be, and I'm a cynical person of saying that because that's how I um, tick sometimes. It, it, it could be it could be one of the cases where it's like, you know, it's Disney, and they rang on his door, and they uh, brought him a big bag of money, and then he said, all right. <laughs> I'm still waiting for him to do a film in the MCU. Still waiting. Yeah, the MCU, um, I mean, several of his protégés did the MCU stuff. Who knows? Maybe in the future. Maybe. But I don't know. Maybe, I mean, a a few... 
some time ago he said he was done with superhero movies and now he's doing both uh, the new X-Men or whenever that will come out probably never uh, maybe that's why he said yes to it he was like they're never gonna finish that movie they're never gonna put that one out so it could be just a big troll thing but he's also scoring the new Wonder Woman at least he has he's um, he's in the slot to do it so I don't know. Like, maybe he, I don't know if he changed his mind or if he was like, oh, the other movies aren't that lucrative anymore. He actually realized I shot myself in the foot because anything that's even remotely successful now is superhero stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, th I heard a story that it was Ron Howard at an award show that changed his mind where he said, you don't have to say yes to every movie that comes around. Just do a movie that you think where the script is good. And I guess he liked Dark Phoenix enough to accept it. And that means he's read the Wonder Woman script, so he probably loved doing that one as well. I'm like, I'm still wait, like, like you said, a lot of these prodigies have done scores in the MCU, and one of his new one, one of which I will be mentioning later. But I'm still waiting for him to do something in the MCU. I really do think if Eternals comes around, that he might do that, but only time will tell. Yeah, who knows? All right. So uh, my next pick is something very, very interesting. Uh, it's the score for Joker uh, by the composer Hildur Gutnadottir. I hope I didn't butcher this name. Because I was looking at... Because I'm not really looking forward to the movie. I was like, this this looks so incredibly weird. And like the director's choice is just bizarre. And what they're gonna do with that character. I'm really... I'm kind of intrigued, but I'm also kind of worried how they're gonna do it. But they seem very engaged in it and so i was like who's gonna do the music for that and i was like i was kind of familiar with this name and uh, this uh, female composer she did a lot of stuff for tv for documentaries she worked like in the music department of arrival too like she's a she's a very very talented woman and so i'm for that reason alone i'm just very very interested in what they will do musically with this joker film i I'm looking forward to the Joker movie simply because of Joaquin Phoenix and that the fact that the Joker is my favorite DC character. And with this composer, I'm, did, I was not aware that she she worked in the music department for Rival, but I do know that she did the score for um, uh, Sicario 2 oh, last yeah, right. year. That was, that was a score I think sort of went unnoticed. So when I heard she was doing it, I was like, you know what? I think... This makes the most sense because with the joke, the Joker is a very weird character to score for because all of his musical themes in every film he's in is different. He gets a very bombastic, funny theme from Danny Elfman. He gets a, a little more circus-sounding theme in by Shirley Walker. Then Hans Zimmer and James Newton Howard just went weird with it, and Stephen Price was a little more subtle with Suicide Squad. So I was wondering, like, well, you can come up with a theme or a leitmotif for the Joker, but what about a whole film? And I really do, I was thinking, like, the only person I can think of is either Hans Zimmer or Howard Shore, but I didn't see either one of them doing it. So I think she's the perfect choice for this low-key Joker R-rated movie. Oh, yeah, she's, uh, she's certainly... Um she certainly experienced with this type of crime stuff, you know, from Sicario 2. And she also did uh, uh, the score for Maria Magdalene, um, uh, which uh, which also starred uh, Joaquin Phoenix. So that might be one of the reasons, too. Maybe he actually recommended her to the project. I hope, I really hope that's the case. That she, I, I think she's going to do an amazing job. I just need a trailer already. 
see where it's gonna go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. That would be nice. But yeah, that's that's my reasoning for looking forward to that score because I just can't imagine what it will sound like and that's uh, what intrigues me. Yeah, I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> so, what's your next one? My number eight is a score that comes out next month or in a few weeks. How to Train Your Dragon: The Hidden World, scored by John Powell. So glad Powell's making a comeback. It's been a while since I've been really excited for one of his scores. Solo um, was my favorite score of last year, and it's my personal favorite of his, beating the first How to Train Your Dragon. And the first How to Train Your Dragon has my second favorite score for an animated feature under Treasure Planet. And his score for How to Train Your Dragon 2 is just as good. And he's been hard at work on this score, I think, since after Solo came out. So he, he finished Solo, then immediately started working on this one. And I can't wait to see where he's going to go. Well, since that's on my list as well, I can just uh, continue to talk about that, you know, and skip one of my spots. Um, yeah, that's actually, that might be my most anticipated score of the year. Um, I love his work. I grew up with it. You know, his um, collaboration with Harry Gregson Williams for Chicken Run was one of the reasons why I actually became a film music fan to begin with as a kid. Um, uh, the first How to Train Your Dragon is my second favorite score of all time. Just beat by the um, Lord of the Rings trilogy by Howard Shore. I love that one. Uh, the second one is great too. His solo score was my favorite score of 2018. <laughs> so yes. yeah, so a lot of a lot of uh, similarities here. I can't wait to see what he will do with that. And I'm, but I'm also it's also the most dreaded score of mine because I'm afraid that he will make me cry with that so much that I am I am not going to be able to finish it or listen to it in any kind of objective matter maybe you know when when it comes to reviewing that i will be just all over the place with my emotions because i was that was something that was kind of weird when the second one came out i was kind of i was just a little bit disappointed by the score and over time i realized how great it was it was just because the first one is so amazing that i maybe set my expectations way too high but it's really not worse than the first score it just uh, it's just a little bit different, and the the surprise effect is gone. You know, it's just because yeah. the first one kind of like took you off guard by how amazing it was, even coming from Powell. And um, so I'm just saying this is my most anticipated score of a year, but it's also the one I am the most afraid of. He's gonna make every like this is gonna be the last one of the trilogy. It's gonna be emotional beyond belief. Oh boy, because that's that's a funny story I can share. Um, when the second trailer came out that uh, starts with a Gerard Butler narration, the second trailer for the third movie, and I saw it online when it came out, and I was like, yeah, this, this looks good. And then months later, I saw it in the cinema. I think it played before The Grinch. And the first notes, you know, from that uh, dancing and dreaming theme ca come on, and then Gerard Butler's narration, oh. and I started crying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So what that so that's the power yeah that that's the power of a cinema that's the difference an environment can make i hope this is the score that wins him the oscar it's such a shame he's only been nominated once yeah for the first one yeah he really and in that year he really should have won you know he was by far it was by far the best score uh of of uh, nominated uh scores 
So I I'm still mad about that, but that's a whole other story. My next one is Spider-Man Far From Home by Michael Giacchino. Um, his score for the first uh, MCU Spider-Man was one of my favorites of that particular year. You know, it was kind of like in the middle, but I still really enjoyed it. And Michael Giacchino is a talented guy, so I'm just really excited uh, for the chances he will take. It's funny how you mentioned that, because Far From Home was my fifth on my list. <laughs> I, my cousin and I, the funniest thing was when Com it was Comic Con 2016, and my cousin and I were just sitting. The the Marvel panel was up, and they just announced that Michael Giacchino was going to do Doctor Strange. I said, hey, "Would it be cool if he did Spider Man?" Because my cousin's favorite score is his score for The Incredibles. Yeah, and we were just talking about it, and then a few months later, it was he would do Rogue One. I'm like, "Oh, that's interesting." But then before Doctor Strange came out, Feige let it slip that Jakina was doing Homecoming. I'm like, sold. Homecoming was my fifth, if I remember correctly, my fifth favorite score of 2017. My second favorite of the MCU scores of that year. Um, I always say it doesn't touch Elfman's scores for the first two, but it was still great on its own. The Vulture theme is the best villain theme of the MCU, in my opinion. <laughs> and Mysterio is my biggest selling point for the score, because Giacchino, as you know, owns villain themes. Whether it be the Vulture, Krennic in Rogue One, um, what's the name of that? Uh, the evil ape in, Ry in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Oh yeah, um, the Koba. Koba, yeah. He gave Koba a theme, and then... Um, the Indominus Rex in Jurassic World, the Indoraptor in Fallen Kingdom. He, the man knows how to score for villains, and I can't wait to see what he's going to do with Mysterio. It's going to be weird, hopefully. Oh, yeah, yeah, I hope so, too. I mean, with Doctor Strange, he certainly has shown his uh, weird experimental side, too. So um, hopefully he will continue that mindset uh, for the next one. Uh, totally agree. So why don't you tell us uh, your next uh, spot? My number six is Shazam, which will be scored by Benjamin Walsvik, ben who, has been, who has been making a name for himself ever since he took on It in 2017. And he also co-scored Blade Runner 2049 with Hans Zimmer. This will be his second or third collaboration with David F. Sandberg, who's directing the movie. So this is also his first superhero movie, so this is going to be very interesting to see where he's going to go with it. I have it on my list as well. <laughs> Amazing, so I can just also talk about that one. Yeah, I love Benjamin uh, Walfer's work. Um, he, uh, I really kind of loved his score for uh, A Cure for Wellness. I mm. really liked what he did for It. He's an incredibly talented guy. And um, I'm I'm really curious what he will do with this kind of uh, superhero um, movie, even though it doesn't look like a typical superhero thing. Um, so it's yeah, just just uh, just saying that I'm I'm curious uh, what he will do with that one. A friend of my a, a, a Twitter mutual of mine, and yes, yesterday we're talking about the direction we think he's going to go with the score, and she she's a big DCEU fan, so she thought. The score will be sort of a combination between parts of the flight theme from Man of Steel and the Arthur theme from Aquaman. And I was thinking, judging by the trailers, I see it either, I see the score going one of two ways. Either being in the vein of Henry Jackman's score for X-Men First Class, or be somewhat similar to Brian Tyler's score for Thor Dark World, or probably just be its own thing on its own, because he does come from the Hans Zimmer school of film composers, so there might be some 
Zimmer-isms in the score all over the place. It's going to be fun to see this new hero and what his sound is going to be. Yeah, um, I mean, he, he didn't start as a Hans Zimmer prodigy. He just, for some reason, started working with him as an additional composer because he started with like a conductor and orchestrator for Dario Marianelli on several things, uh, for example, like V for Vendetta and all that stuff. So he has quite the classical background, actually. He just started working with Zimmer along the road, which I find interesting. And uh, so it's, uh, yeah, I'm curious to see what he will do with this. I assumed he was one of Zimmer's like little students. So I didn't <laughs> know he was a conductor. That That's interesting. So. Yeah, yeah he, he actually, but that's because he, he started popping up in a lot of people's mindset with some scores for the DCEU as an additional composer. And I think most people just thought he was associated with with that, especially also taking over from Zimmer's reigns when it came to scoring Cure for Wellness, um, you know, working with Gorobinski and all of that. But no, I wonder actually... if Zimmer suggested Wells Fick to Gorobinski when he couldn't score Cure for Wellness. Could be, could be, but that's, uh, that's entirely possible, yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see... Um, uh, what what he will do. Uh, one of my friends, um, Ian Crab uh, of Citro Sound Theater, he actually interviewed Wallfish in uh, 2017. So um, you know about the score of it and and this, his whole stuff. So if you want to know more, just uh, seek out that interview. Very very informative. I can't wait to see that. Is he? I wonder if he's, is he coming back for it chapter two? That's the uh, that's one of the things I wanted to talk about because I originally wanted to put that score on this list as well, but he's not confirmed on INDB. There's still no composer slot, so I it's possible he might be, but I'm not sure because they also have a different cameraman this time. You know, uh, several of the um, writers are gone. I'm really not sure. Like might be because he did such a great job with the first one, but who knows? You know, maybe. Maybe uh, they will get somebody else, but I really don't know. It's all speculation at this point. That's going to be interesting to see where he, where the, who's who's going to do that score. Hopefully, he returns. I haven't seen it, but I have heard of the score, and it's I think it's phenomenal. Oh One yeah, of the better horror scores I've heard in a while. Oh yeah, absolutely. I guess I will sell my next uh, spot. Um, I am curious about Godzilla: King of the Monsters by Bear McCreary. And I have kind of a grudge against that score because I was really hoping for a certain composer to get the gig. Um, a few years ago, I interviewed uh, Douglas Pipes, um, the composer of, you know, Monster House, Trick or Treat, and especially Krampus, because I'm such a big fan of Krampus. And um, he has collaborated with director Michael Doherty, you know, on both Trick or Treat and Krampus. So I was, I was like, as soon as Michael Doherty was announced for this new Godzilla movie... He would bring him along, but Douglas Pipes kind of have this, has this stigma attached of working on smaller budget movies with certain directors, and then when they get big budget uh, sign-ups, they seem to... And I, I don't know if I can say they ditch him or just the studio says, no, let's get another composer. I don't know what the reasoning behind it is. But this happened with, after Monster House, the director Jill Cannon got... Um, the gig for uh, the Poltergeist remake and where he worked with Mark Streitenfeld instead. And and this is the same thing, you know? It worked successfully with uh, Michael Doherty on Trick or Treat and Krampus and uh, I was so eager to see him signed on to a big, big project like this. 
But now uh, Bear McCreary got the gig instead, and I'm kind of sad about that, but also Bear McCreary is an incredibly talented guy, and I am very interested in seeing what he will do with that opportunity. Funny how you mentioned directors and their first composers, and then when they go to bigger projects, it reminds me of Nolan, with him and David Julian worked on Memento and Insomnia and following, but then when Batman Begins came out, he worked with Hans Zimmer and James Newton Howard, but then worked with Julian again on The Prestige, but then from The Dark Knight onwards, Nolan's just worked with Zimmer. So that I wonder if it has something to do with the studio, or maybe it's just that they fall apart, you never know. But Barry McCreary's been one of my favorite television composers for years. I love his work on The Walking Dead and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And there's this one sci-fi show, I, keep, I think it was called Defiance, I, I think. Yeah, yeah, Defiance, I think, I think that, you're right. Oh, that, that was it. He did the score for that show, and it was just amazing. And, I'm, and he also, I haven't played the game, but his score from the, new, from the God of War game from last year is one of the best video game soundtracks I have ever heard. Yeah. I'm so glad he's doing a, a, a big budget movie like this. He really, really deserves it. Yeah, that's also true. another composer I'm waiting to do an MCU movie. Surprised he hasn't. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Also on God of War, but yeah, and that's just the, this this little this little bit of shame because for years I've been clamoring for Doctor's Pipes to get this kind of um, big project to work on, and it didn't happen, which I'm sad about. But um, I hope he will. Uh, I hope he will do uh, something else that puts him into the mindset of more people again. But yeah, that's why. I mean, I, I'm looking forward to the score. That's why I put it on the list. But I'm also kind of sad about the circumstances, but what can you do? I'm also kind of sad that the Splat didn't come back for the sequel, but he's probably doing like three different movies right now. So he's not hes not sad. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, uh, he, lost, he, he lost Star Wars back in the day, you know, Rogue One, uh, which is a shame too. But uh, no, stuff comes up, stuff happens, so... Um, yeah. Who, who knows what uh, who knows what the future will bring so what's your next pick well now we're at my number six we have another superhero film captain marvel which would be scored by pinar toprak and her first big budget film as this as the main composer she's done a lot of documentaries and she also this is the, the coolest part she came from zimmer's production company and she applied, she created additional music for Justice League, which was done by Danny Elfman. And I always say that Hans Zimmer and Danny Elfman are the kings of superhero scores. So when she got the job, I thought, now I think the score is going to be either, you know, very intense, like a Zimmer score for Man of Steel, or really bombastic and heroic, like Elfman scores for um, Age of Ultron or Justice League, or maybe even go the Spider-Man route. And she's, of course, the first female composer for an MCU film, which is really special. And the first woman to score a superhero movie since 1994, after Shirley Walker with Batman Mask the Phantasm. So she's making history here. I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, same here. That's on my list, too. Um, I really, I listened to a couple of her works already uh, over the years, and I really like what she did. She even, uh, you mentioned Justice League, she actually worked on the Wonder Woman section in that, you know, um, you know uh, rearranging the Hans Zimmer Wonder Woman theme. 
uh, for that uh, big bank uh, rob uh, robber scene. So I'm I'm really curious to see what she will do with this. Um, I am so glad that they got her uh, for this project. It's a very very big step, and it's sad that it comes this late into the game. Even though you know she's not the first one to do a superhero movie, but the first one to do a superhero movie on this scale and in this yes. point in time. And it's a shame that they didn't do that with either of the Wonder Woman movies yet. Um, I'm still waiting for this big budget announcement for Debbie Wiseman uh, because she really deserves it. You know, she she could have she could have done the first Wonder Woman, but uh, so be it. It's it's really it's really sad and it angers me. But I'm glad that uh, she finally a very very talented female composer uh, got the job on this kind of uh, important project. I wonder if. Because her, she's, um, she, I think she's still scoring Captain Marvel. And Alan Silvestri started work on Avengers Endgame in November. I wonder if there's still enough time for Silvestri to hear what she has to maybe reference the Captain Marvel theme in Endgame. Not holding my breath, but maybe like they did with Black Panther, that they sort of just took a track from Black Panther and put it into Infinity War. And maybe for a second, like when Captain Marvel shows up, they just take music and like, okay, here... So, but I wonder if, there, if there's going to be enough time to see if Sylvester can work off of material. But if not, maybe Captain Marvel will get two themes this year. Who knows? <laughs> there, there, there might be there might be time, of course. But I'm afraid he won't do that because I mean that's some that's an idea they tinkered with with uh, Infinity War, and they didn't do that. You know, didn't restate any themes of the other superheroes, and I can understand why. But at the same time, it really wouldn't have been that difficult you know to, to to do that you know especially with spider-man as soon as spider-man swings under the bridge and we hear this completely different theme i gave up that hope where i was like okay we're not gonna hear any other of the established themes in this there's a few moments in infinity war where i thought that maybe he could have like thrown a little reference to other themes like when Iron Man is transforming. That could have been like a cool Iron Man scene. But it's funny how Sylvester doesn't, except for the Avengers theme and the the, tellers, the Tesseract motif, he doesn't even reference his own work. Like the Black Widow theme is nowhere to be found. His Captain America theme is not in the movie. Even his Iron Man theme is nowhere to be found, which is weird. Yeah, I mean, there's a brief appearance of a Captain America material somewhere. Um, just a little... It kind of... I, I, I think it's when Peter gets the iron spider armor. It kind of sounds like it, but I'm not sure if that's actually it. No, that's not it. I, I think I think it might be uh, it might be some uh, somewhere. I, I don't I don't know. Actually, I heard it on the soundtrack, but I can't remember hearing it in the movie. We gotta I gotta go back and listen to it. Any excuse to listen to that beautiful score again? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um. So yeah, uh, Captain Marvel was also on my list. Um. One of the other picks on my list is Dumbo, composed by Danny Elfman for the Tim Burton version of a classic, classic animated Disney film that will come out this year. It's pretty much on my list because I'm such a huge Danny Elfman fan and I'm looking forward to anything he does and I'm pretty sure he will do an excellent job with this one. Dumbo was my number four. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, Danny Elfman, everyone who knows me personally knows I love Danny Elfman. There's some people who actually think Danny Elfman is my favorite composer. He's not. He's second under John Williams. I've been a fan of Danny Elfman ever since I was four. His score for Spider-Man, like you mentioned, Chicken Run is why you're a film score fan. Spider-Man was mine. I hmm. loved his score for Spider-Man. And Elfman, and not to say Elfman has done bad work, 
in these past few years. I just personally felt like a lot of his new recent scores haven't really measured up to his um, greater work on of Burton's films from the 90s and late 80s. But um, I thought Justice League was a good... Um, I'm in the minority on this. I thought his score for Justice League was, was amazing. And he did um, three scores last year. He did Fifty Shades Freed, which is just as boring and generic as his scores from the first two. Not going to get into that one. Um, he did a, sc- a score for a movie with Joaquin Phoenix. I forget what it was. I think it's... I think it was He Won't Get Far on Foot. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah it, it, Don't worry, He, he Won't Get Far on Foot by Gus Van Sand. Yeah, that score was very simple and low-key. But in my opinion, one of the most underrated scores from last year was a score for The Grinch. Yes. Which I thought was one of his best scores in a while. And I really hope that... I hope that Dumbo is a return to form for Elfman and Burton. Because Burton's an, another director who I feel like a lot of his recent work really hasn't clicked with me. So hopefully the two of them put their heads together to create something really really great and judging by the trailers i can sort of imagine what direction Elfman will go in so i'm really really excited to see what he's going to do with it it's going to be whimsical for yeah. sure it's not danny elfman and tim burton without whimsy yeah and also you know it taking place uh, in the circus so he can hark back to his peewee days of old you know Uh, yeah, that would be that. There are a lot of great opportunities to score well one. So I am, yeah, that, that's the reason why I'm looking forward to it. I'm Danny Elfman. He actually is my favorite uh, film composer. Uh, I, I grew up with his stuff. Um, you know, starting from Nightmare Before Christmas, which was my first encounter with his work as a kid. Uh, I actually went. Um, what was it? I think it was uh, 2017. I went to one of his concerts in Hamburg. And uh, I-, I told the story already on this podcast, but I actually got the chance to go backstage and briefly shake his hand, take a photo with him and tell him what a great admirer I was. And he signed some of my booklets I brought with me. So it was a very, very special day for me. And I still have those CDs and I'm very, very proud. <laughs> I'm just, um, speaking of Elfman, I'm still waiting for the day where he... Um, gets to do a DCEU film on a proper schedule because, you know, Justice League was a rushed job. He had to do it at the last minute. And he says he's interested in doing another one. He's not going to do the Batman. I think Michael Giacchino will do that one because of his history of Matt Reeves. And I keep saying, I don't care who directs Batgirl, as long as they get Danny Elfman to do the score, I'm all for it. I think he would do a great job with her. He just need, I would love him to do a DC movie again, you know, on a proper schedule with a proper um, time. And, you know, so he can come up with a lot of themes, develop themes without the studio constantly breathing down his neck. But hopefully his score for Dumbo will be as great as I hope it will be. Hopefully. Oh, yeah. It would be. Yeah, it would be. I, I totally agree. Uh, really looking forward to that. So your next pick, please. Well, I have to skip two. Five was far, Spider-Man Far From Home by Michael Giacchino. Number four was Dumbo by Danny Elfman. So we got to go to number three, Avengers Endgame, yeah. which will be scored by Alan Silvestri. My, I love Alan Silvestri. I've been a fan of his work since The Polar Express. And my first and personal favorite scores of his, of course, Back to the Future, Forrest Gump, who framed Roger Rabbit and The Avengers. Post-Avengers, I didn't really hear a score that really clicked with me as much as The Avengers. Like, I thought his scores for Flight, The Walk, and, um, what's the other one? And Allied were decent, but nothing that really 
um, captured my heart the way the Avengers did. But then when he did Ready Player One, and I heard that score, the second I heard the main theme when it was released, I'm like, Sylvester got his groove back, and Infinity War, all bets were off. It's my favorite score of the MCU. He has scored my two favorite scores of the MCU, Infinity War and the Avengers, and his score for Captain America is my fifth favorite of that series. I am dying to hear his score for Endgame, because there's rumors that the movie will be three hours long, so that means Sylvester is going gonna to have a lot of fun with the music if it's three hours long. Yeah. Wait, can't wait, can't wait. Yeah, I think I, I liked the Infinity War score. Um, I, I think there were a lot of missed opportunities. Sometimes it was kind of anonymous, but I liked how loud it was within the movie. And also what didn't help was that he couldn't, uh, you know, conduct or orchestrate that one, maybe because of uh, scheduling conflicts. Instead, uh, Mark Graham conducted that one. And he's a, he, he's an... Um, excellent guy when it comes to conducting orchestrating and all of that but it was kind of it's kind of you could hear the the difference in a way you know it didn't sound it didn't sound as special or lively as if uh, Silvestri would have uh, conducted it himself and uh, there was slightly disappointed by it but it was still a very very decent score but Endgame I am that's also on my list I'm really looking forward to that I'm uh, curious to see what he will do how he will up his game if he will bring some of the themes back again and even and maybe in that movie we will we will get the big hero shot you know with all of the superheroes in one yes. long take that would be there are a lot of opportunities to do that so I hope uh, I hope they will um take chances with that infinity war well I, I i said this on twitter of, i think two weeks ago where i said that i thought it was um it, it was ballsy for him to build the entire score of infinity war around thanos because thanos is the main character by design so i'm wondering in, in endgame i'm not sure if thanos is going to be the main character again or maybe we're going to focus more on the avengers and since cap is in the first tra in that trailer a lot more than he probably is in infinity war that we're probably going to hear his theme a lot more this time around. And Sylvester will probably have an opportunity, since the movie is so long, will probably be so long that he'll get to take themes for other heroes or even go a step further and just create his own themes for each hero. He already has themes for four out of the six original Avengers. He, I don't think he has one for Thor or for Hawkeye, but maybe he'll come up with a Hawkeye theme because he's supposed to be a big part of this movie. I hope the Thanos theme comes back. I, re I thought it was very subtle because Porch is just a beautiful, beautiful track. I can't wait. I can't wait to see what he's going to do with Endgame. Hopefully, they'll let him play around with the score a little more. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I really hope so, too. So, um, my last pick, uh, because uh, our lists were so uh, identical in a lot of ways, so you will uh, say your last two picks uh, in, in one row, but my last pick on my list is uh, Hellboy, also composed by Benjamin Wolfish, because I'm just... <laughs> I didn't know he was doing that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, Neil Marshall is directing that. I don't think they worked together before. I, I really, yeah, I'm actually sure they didn't. But I'm, I'm glad that he got that pick because, um, you know, this was kind of dark, R-rated, but also a campy and supposedly fun reboot um, of uh, of the old movies, you know, and him not being kept by, you know, held hostage by any old themes, and he can do his own thing with it. I'm curious to see what he will do. I 
am very mixed on this reboot, but now that you say Wells Fix doing the score, now I'm a little more interested. <laughs> the Hellboy scores are very weird, because you have Marco Beltrami's score for the first one, which is very horror-inspired, and then it, go, it, complete, it goes a complete 180 in um, The Golden Army with Danny Elfman, and that's probably one of his most underrated scores. Oh, I love so that So I'm very curious to see where Wells Fick is going to go with the score for this movie, because will he go Beltrami's route, Elfman's route, do his own thing? Who knows? I don't think Wells Fick's ever done a movie kind of like Hellboy, because Hellboy knows horror, but action, but also is the superhero movie. So it's going to be very, very weird, but good kind of weird. I yes. can't wait. Yes, indeed. You know, Danny Elfman's Hellboy 2, that's one of my favorites of his. I love that one so much. That's actually one of the booklets he signed I brought Ooh. with me because it's just one of my absolute favorites. And, um, yeah, so um, I'm I'm just very, very excited for this opportunity Wallfish has now and um, let's see what he will uh, do with that. And uh, without further ado, what are your next two picks? One of them I know. I just know what your... Uh, what what one of them will be, but I don't know the other one, so hit me. Number two is, um, it's a score that I'm looking forward to, not because I just love the franchise it comes from, but I'm a huge fan of the composer, both as a composer and an artist. It's Toy Story 4, which will be scored by Randy Newman. Mm -hmm. I love, love Randy Newman. I love his, his work on his albums. I love his film work. His score for Toy Story, much like Danny Elfman's score for Spider-Man, is one of the reasons I became a film score junkie. I know his score for the first two Toy Story films by memory. I'm pretty sure I know the score for Toy Story 3 just as good. And it's really a shame that Newman doesn't work as often as he used to, considering he's been pigeonholed into Pixar. Now there's anything wrong with Pixar. But it's a shame that he doesn't work as often as you know Michael Cicchino or his cousin Thomas Newman. But I am really looking forward to see what he's going to do with Toy Story 4. Because all of the Toy Story scores have that Randy Newman style. But you can always tell which score is which. At least at least I could tell the difference. So I'm wondering, and especially after Tom Hanks and Tim Allen said they couldn't get to the finale of Toy Story 4. That means Newman is going to hit the audience hard on this movie. And that really excites me. Okay, I see. See, that's that's one of the opinions I always kept under the rug. Um, I'm not that big a fan of Randy Newman, and I'm because I don't know, uh, some of his scores are just a little bit too, like jumpy for me. Like every other second, there's a different style or a different melody, especially in the first Toy Story. I remember being really annoyed with that one, and there are some scores of his I really really liked. For example. Um, that uh, Maverick, you know, Maverick with Mel Gibson, that's that's a very fun Western score, but that's one of the problems. Most of his scores just sound like Western scores, whether it fits the movies or not, which is always very, very weird to me. And I like a lot of his individual themes. I just... I'm just not always that big of a fan of his scores as a whole. And I especially don't like the songs he does. You know, some of his songs are fine, but then there are others, like, for example, the, the Bucks Life song, the, the end credit song, is just god-awful. <laughs> I, 
I'm in the minority. Like, everyone makes fun of the Randy Newman song from A Bug's Life, like in the Honest trailer, and I'm just sitting here like, I say, I really like this song. <laughs> Mostly because I grew up on A Bug's Life. <laughs> okay, I mean, that's that's totally fine. You know, that's just, that's just yeah. my opinion. And I just have my issues with Randy Newman, but I can't deny that he's... A talented guy who did a lot of very, very important and even sometimes very beautiful and emotional work. So obviously that score is not on my list, um, but it's uh, I don't know. I'm 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 pretty sure you will just do as decent of a job, if not more, as he did with all the other Toy Story and Pixar movies he did. Hopefully, like like I said earlier, I really hope he makes the audience cry. One of the reasons the finale for Toy Story 3 is so sad is because of the music. Like, the scene where they're in the incinerator is just sort of like, dude, you didn't got to go as hard as you did with this one, but you did. And all I'm saying is, if Randy Newman has to score Woody dying or breaking or something, I'm leaving the theater. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure they won't do this. They, they won't do. They won't kill any characters. Like, because, for, especially for me, they got a lot of backlash for the finale of Toy Story 3. I was like, you don't have to go so dark. That's really, that's, you don't have to go full last from three of our asses. That's just, that's just completely misguided, in my opinion. And I had my fair amount of issues with the ending of Toy Story 3 as a whole. You know, I was one of a few people who didn't cry and who doesn't say it's the best Pixar film of all time. I'm like, yeah, it's a good movie, but that's it, you know? To me, it's really not the best one. It's not even in the top five of Pixar stuff. So um, let's see what um, let's see what he will do with uh, the fourth one and how the fourth one turns out. You know, the first teaser is stupid, but the one where like the, the stuffed animals just talk to themselves, uh, talk to each other about the Toy Story franchise, that was pretty funny. And I mean, Keegan Michael Key and Jordan Peele are uh, in that movie, so that alone is a selling point for me. <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah, so I know what your first one is. The audience knows what your first one is. <laughs> I think everyone knows what my first one is. My most anticipated score of 2019 is, to nobody's surprise, Star Wars Episode Nine, composed by John Williams. Who's surprised? I am. <laughs> oh, man, I... I love John Williams. He's my favorite composer. The, every Disney-era Star Wars film has been my favorite score from each year of their release. Not all of them have been my most anticipated per year. The Force Awakens was my second under Age of Ultron. Rogue One was my second under Batman vs. Superman. And Solo was third to Infinity War and uh, I forget what the first one was. I think it was Incredibles 2. But mm -hmm. The Last Jedi was my most anticipated score of 2017. The Force Awakens, Rogue One, The Last Jedi Solo. Favorite scores from each year that they came out. And this is going to be John Williams' last Star Wars movie. It's such a shame. This will be his ninth doing the whole thing, but it will be his tenth overall because he did come up with the Han Solo theme for Solo. It's a very, it's very bittersweet, and like as, as of course as a fan, I would love John Williams to do as many more of these as he can. But you know, he's he's an older gentleman; he's not going to be around forever. So it might be better to let him do other projects and just be doing the same Star Wars movies for years and years and years. Yeah. But he will be working on Galaxy's Edge, the new 
parks at Disneyland and Disney World. So John Williams will still be around, but yeah. this is going to be his last movie, and that's one of the main reasons it's at number one. It's going to be very heartbreaking, but also very satisfying knowing that this man has done 10 films over the course of 40-plus years. No composer will ever be as lucky. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, it, I am sure it will. Will it be his last film overall or just his last Star Wars film? His last Star Wars okay, film. Okay, okay, I was just wondering. Because, yeah, I'm like, people, leave him alone. He's he's an incredibly old gentleman and he's still, uh, you know, turning out such good work. I'm like, let him quit this franchise while he's ahead, you know? Yet some At some point he has to be burned out, you know, by all the Star Wars stuff and writing themes for these characters and it's not on my list because i'm kind of done with star wars now it's not like it's not like i disliked um like many other people it's not like i disliked uh, the last jedi i didn't i actually liked it but it's not the, in my opinion it's also not the best star wars movie ever and that score was actually kind of a disappointment for me because to me it kind of felt like a lot of retread and he didn't do a lot of themes what i expected him to do and he didn't uh, compose much new stuff and i know it it felt kind of anonymous sometimes but it was john williams so it was still much more decent than a lot of other scores of that year but it wasn't in any of my lists and i'm not the biggest star wars music fan that's the reason why you know john powell's solo is actually my favorite star wars score because he does for the most part his own thing and only references the themes when it's needed and i just like uh, I, i just liked what he did with it uh, so much more but yeah you can't deny that john williams did an incredible job with the star wars franchise and uh, i think i expect him to go out with a bang with that one i i hope so um But uh, yeah, that's that's just one of the reasons it's not on my most anticipated list because it's just like yeah, it's kind of a given for most people. So I'm just waiting and see what he will do, and I'm sure he will do a good job. I I, I assume that we're going to hear a lot of old themes because all the characters we'll we'll hear themes for Ray, for Leia, for Kylo Ren, for Poe again, and the Rebel fanfare, March the Resistance. I'm also excited to see the newer material because for the last jedi i understand people's complaints where there weren't as there aren't as much new stuff and i agree that's a little detrimental but at the same time i recently watched the music only version of the last jedi it's nothing but john williams score and just how subtle all of his new material is like there's a new theme for luke mm -hmm. there's a secondary theme for the resistance There's another theme for the Resistance when they're um, about to lose a battle, and then when they go into battle, and when they're doing battle, there's like three different ones. Haldo has a theme, DJ has a little something, Phasma has her theme at the end, and there's like a Canto Bite motif when they land, and of course the main theme of the movie, which is Rose's theme, and it's all very subtle, but I think... I, Ryan Johnson made that score that way by design. He used a lot of temp music, I yeah. believe, according to some people. Abrams, I don't think, did temp for The Force Awakens and let Williams go off. But Williams recorded, I think, uh, of three hours worth of music for The Last Jedi, the most he's ever done for a film. And I wonder if Abrams is going to let Williams let loose a little bit more on this score and say this is going to be the last one go out and see what you can come up with. The only thing I demand from this score is that the score ends 
and you know when you know how in every film there's a credit suite and it's all the themes of the movie yada 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 mm-hmm. at the end of the sound of the credits track that it ends the same way that the score for a new hope ends when it's like a different version of the star wars theme and then it goes uh, you know, it, it does all these different things. A New Hope, Return of the Jedi, Rogue One, and The Revenge of the Sith, I'll end that way. Because, you know, for the Rogue One, it was mostly because it's connected to A New Hope. Return of the Jedi and Revenge of the Sith, because they were supposed to be the last ones. So I hope Williams ends it on that note, like, ending it the same way it began. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be weird hearing all of these themes one more time from Williams' hand in, in his mind. But hearing the, re- the the Force theme before the credits roll one more time, I'm going to cry. Like, I, I really am. Like, the fact that this will be his last one. I mean, hey, 10 movies, 43 years. He's had a... 42 years. He's had a good run. And, you know, he's still doing the park. He's going to do the whole park thing. And he's not like he's retiring altogether. He's still doing the next Indiana Jones, whenever that movie's coming out. <laughs> so Spielberg says he's on that one. He might be working on, maybe he'll do Wet Side Story with Spielberg. So he's going to be around, but this is going to be his last hurrah on the big screen with Star Wars. So I, that is why Episode Nine, whatever the hell it's going to be called, is my most anticipated score of 2019. Can't wait to hear it. <laughs> Amazing. And on that note pun intended of course dear listeners um we conclude this epic episode of our most anticipated scores of 2019 did we uh, match your expectations are you looking forward to the same scores did you leave anything out you're looking forward to the most leave it in the comments if you like and share this episode if you want to really appreciate it um where can people find you and your work You can find me on Twitter at Dr. Ragnarok. Um, You can find articles of mine at moviematrix.com. I have my own Facebook group at the end of the line and the Writers Showcase Extravaganza. And you can also find me on Instagram at Joe McMillan is God. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to come back if you ever need me. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much for being a guest on here. I had a lot of fun. And uh, you did an excellent job introducing all of these scores. Really, really was amazing talking to you and hearing uh, yet another person who loves film music just as much as I do. And a lot of, uh, you know, and and some of the friends I have and met here online on Twitter and through all of these podcasts. It was really great uh, to have this experience again. You can find me, dear listeners, of course, on Facebook and Twitter at Lasse Vogt. I um, have a YouTube channel, The Deppert. I now write uh, much more professional texts for the German movie site moviefreaks.de. This podcast, Fans About Films, you can find on SoundCloud and iTunes. And I have another podcast. It's a 90s Christmas podcast with Laia Perez, entirely in the English language, where we talk about uh, 90s Christmas nostalgia and its media. Also, Uh, find that on iTunes. It's a wonderful show. We already got uh, some comments and likes for that. And thank you so much for um, you know sharing it and uh, treasuring it. Really appreciate everyone who listens to it. Thank you again so much for your time, good sir. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Can't wait to come back. Oh yeah. And I, when my podcast starts up, I will make sure you will be in one of the very first episodes. I'm trying to start a little community of content creators, sort of like a content creators universe, so to speak. Yes. So hopefully you can be a part of our little 
group of sorts. That would be lovely. Can't wait. So thanks so much for your time. And you, dear people, thank you for listening. And goodbye and good night. May the force be with you.